0: Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm Jeff Rutherford, the co-host. You can find me on Instagram at Jeff Rutherford. I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama. You can find Elaine on Instagram at Messy Goat. And our guest today is Jerry Granada, a quilter who lives in Palm Springs, California. And you can find Jerry on Instagram at Jerry Granada Quilts. Jerry is an award winning quilter. And Jerry, welcome to the po- podcast.
1: Thank you so very much. I'm
0: excited to be here. Absolutely. Well, how would you describe the quilts that you currently
1: make? That depends on who you talk to. <laughs> um, I always tell people, if you line my quilts up side by side, you would never know that they were made by the same person. Because the way my art brain works is I can go from traditional to very contemporary to art. I, I'd say if you had to really focus, my, my quilting is more art-based, more art, art quilting-based. So
2: that sounds familiar. I think Jeff and I are cut the same way so
0: yeah Yeah. and I'd actually like to talk about that a little more a little more because I'm I'm almost certain that I read an interview with you in quilters newsletter Mm -hmm. um, several years ago and I was um, and you know in my um, uh, experience of your quilts just online I had seen the art quilts and I was really surprised when I saw the traditional quilts um but i was surprised in a in a very good way to to see that you kind of go back and forth between um the quilts that i would describe as almost art deco mm-hmm. um and then you know a very traditional pattern and i'm just curious can you talk about that a little bit i mean do you do you work on an art quilt and then you want to go back to kind of the the um you know what for lack of a better word, a traditional pattern. Can you just talk about kind of your creativity a little bit? Sure.
1: Yeah. I I don't really have, you know, I started when I started quilting, it was, of course, with all the traditional patterns as we do and we learn them. Uh, we build our skills. We we fill our toolboxes. Um, and then we we sort of hone in on something that we really love to do. In my case, I love to go back and forth between art and traditional. I, I guess it's Mainly me just kind of, of touching base with our past as quilters, getting back to those traditional quilting patterns. I'm a piecer at heart. I love to just sit down in peace and create that way. So it's, it's a way for me to get back and touch base with my, my kind of traditional beginnings. And when we're
0: talking about the beginnings, can you, can you take us a little bit back um, and, and talk to us about how you did get started? Um, making quilts originally,
1: yeah I you know it's it's really funny because um a lot I get asked this all the time. You must have had quilters in your family, you must have had sewers uh no <laughs> I didn't really. um the only people that I remember sewing was my sister, who was a wonderful garment sewer she she created all her own clothing, she made beautiful clothing, and I remember at five years old, sitting by her sewing machine, just wondering what she was doing and just all these beautiful, this beautiful colored cloth being turned from a flat piece of material into something that would wrap around the body um, and being able to sew it so that it fit the body well. So that was my first introduction to sewing and sewing machines, and I was just completely fascinated. And so she started me on, like, little kids' clothes because, you know, I was little. She thought my hands were small. Maybe it would be really easy for me to maneuver those small pieces of fabric through the sewing machine. Um <laughs> it wasn't until years later that everyone said, "Uh, it's really kind of hard to do little kids' clothes. It's like doing Barbie clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So she was the only person that I knew that was a sewer. I never saw, I never even saw a quilt. I never saw anyone making a quilt. I don't remember ever seeing a quilt. And so I started quilting in 1978. I had been doing mainly, um, garment kind of things. I'd been working with theater companies and opera companies. And I was actually a member of the National Marionette Company out of Chicago making all of these uh, marionette costumes. So, of course, I had been working in little kids clothes. So for me, marionettes were just little kids. So it was a natural transition. But that was my intro into all of the wild and wacky fabrics that I use in my quilts. And that's kind of what I'm known for now. So for me, no fabric is off limits. So all those brocades and satins and really wacky fabrics all find their way into my quilts.
2: That's awesome. So when you do a piece that's really artistic and crazy, do you find that you can sort of recalibrate and move on to the next thing by switching back to something more traditional and totally different?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's how I work. That's how my brain, I call it my art brain. That's how my art brain works. I like to step back into the traditional to just, again, just touch base. And it just seems like something artistic will come out. And then I'll finish that piece. And then I'll I'll think, well, you know, I kind of want to do more piecing. And I kind of like, so it, everything just kind of goes back and forth. And then I'll do miniatures. I do miniatures as well. So um, I love the challenge of that. It, 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 whatever I do, there has to be a challenge. And that's why I love to do show quilting, um, because it's a challenge for me.
2: So do you work serially or do you work on more than one project at a time?
1: Yeah, I've, you know, that's something that I've been wanting to put in my wheelhouse. I've not done a series as yet, and I kind of would like to explore that a little bit more. So, yeah, that is something that I'd like to do, but I haven't done that yet. So I work pretty individually.
2: Okay, do you finish a project before moving on to the next one?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, have, I have a little bit of OCD, so <laughs> it's not paralyzing, but that's, I guess that one, that's what makes us all um, stick with our projects so much. But I, I'm i a person that I, I'm not very prolific. I don't have a lot of quilts in my inventory. Um, I finish one, and then I will not start another one until I finish it. So I'll start one, and then I'll finish, and I'll start another one. So, yeah, so some of my quilts to stick a year to year and a half and a lot of people are like I could never stick with something that long but my process is I'm always moving around within that project so I never get bored.
0: Wow. Wow. So tell sure, us about I, be that. Yeah. Yeah. Some <laughs> I, days I don't. I don't. So <laughs> Go if ahead, if you could tell us a little bit about the um the different fr- fabrics that you use because um I'll be honest, I, and this is just my own experience. So, you know, I've made a lot of quilts, mm-hmm. obviously using traditional 100% cotton quilting fabrics. I did sew, and, and that's been 99% of my sewing experience has been piecing and quilting. Um, and then several years ago, I made a dinosaur costume for my son. Got this, <laughs> nice. Uh, very shiny, green fabric from uh from joanne's had never used the stabilizer and i think i probably used every curse word that i had ever (laughs) learned while working on that so i'm just curious what do you do when you're combining all these i mean do you use stabilizers how do you how do you work with all these different fabrics that you mentioned earlier
1: yeah, that's that's a great that's a great question. That's a great point. Um, I would love to have seen that costume. That would be awesome. But um, I, you know, I I always in my classes, I always tell people I'm going to take you down the aisles you don't normally go down. So everyone always goes to the cottons and those are fine. And I use those occasionally as well. Um, but I I just find working with all of those shiny and sparkly and you know, those kind of unusual type of fabrics to be really, um, fascinating to me and a challenge and to try to find, to work them into my quilts in such a way that it's not just sparkly for sparkle's sake. It's there for a reason and makes sense. So most of the time I would say 90% of my quilts are backed with, um, just a really sheer fusible interfacing. That's it. Nothing expensive, nothing fancy. You can find it at any, Big box store, craft store, fabric store, just really the sheerest fusible interfacing you can find. And once you do that on the back, um, uh, fuse it to the back, it'll take all of that stretch out. And then you can use it just like your normal fabrics. And most of these fabrics are also, also washable. I use a lot of costume fabrics. They're meant to be washed. So, um, yeah, I I always tell people, don't be scared to use them. And if you're going to try, start with something small. So like, you know, uh, quilters are very familiar with like the log cabin pattern. And traditionally, um, the center of that uh, is a small square that's red to represent the hearth in the home. So I I say, you know, make a log cabin, um, just get out some of your scraps and. Have the red center be like uh, a spandex or a silk or one of these other unusual fabrics that you can find in red and then build your your log cabin around that. And so you're not obligated to this gigantic quilt full of fabrics that you're not sure of. You're only uh, committing to a very small square. But how fabulous would that quilt look when you finally put it all together and you've got these shiny red squares spaced throughout your quilt? I think that I think that would look absolutely fabulous. So, yeah, I am very simple in the way I treat these fabrics. I don't want to do anything fancy. Um, I do a lot of teaching with them as well. So I want my students to be able to have access to the stabilizer and things like that, too. So, yeah, nothing fancy.
2: So is it like a fridge fuse?
1: Um, you know, just a just a regular, very inexpensive fusible interfacing. That's all it is. It just okay. just fused right to the back. Takes all that stretch out.
2: Right. I did a my wedding dress is actually lots of different fabrics, and we fused French fuse to the back of anything thin.
1: Yeah. So that we yeah. could
2: do seminal piecework onto the back of it.
1: Right right yeah it's it's um i try to keep it you know anything you could even find this product i don't know if i can mention product names but, <laughs> uh, but it's pelon, pelon 906f is the f as in frank um that's my product that i that is my go to i buy it by the bolt i think they know me by my first name uh, <laughs> i use that on 90 if not more percent of all of the fabrics that i work with and okay. it works great so so you
0: mentioned earlier 1978 when you started mm-hmm. quilting so that was kind of in the big renaissance of the 76 the bicentennial year yeah that, that a lot of people had written and talked about in terms of the renaissance of quilting in the US mm-hmm. and you talked about starting out doing traditional um uh, blocks and and piecing when did you start kind of branching out from the traditional into your art quilts and, Pretty- and what and what Can you tell us about that kind of like leap for you to
1: go from traditional to art? Sure. Yeah, I'm. I've always been my entire life. I've always been a person that challenges myself. Um, I started actually with music. Um, that's been my primary career most of my life, and I was always into learning new instruments and and trying to master them as best as I could. And that just kind of progressed right into my quilting. And I started in 1976, like you said, during the Renaissance of getting back to handwork. So you know, needlepoint, needle, point, needle uh, cross stitch, um, all of that really started making a tremendous comeback. Uh, because because before that, we had macrame, and that was about it. So um, I always asked my students, how many owls did you make? You know, so that's, that That was our, our creative input. So I, yeah, I, I it, the bug bit me, and it bit me hard. So I started two years before rotary cutters, so they didn't come out till 1978. So my first quilt was a trip around the world quilt, where if you remember those days, um, you all are too young, so you don't remember that. But anyway, it was, we had to cut our... our <laughs> we had to cut our pieces out of, of cereal boxes, and you know, I forgot about the physics classes that I took, and that you know, f- through friction, um, once you trace around that, you really should make it fresh square at some point. Um, I did not do that, so my square kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So, so bless its heart, my my first quilt's a little wonky. None of the squares really matched up, so I never quilted it. But it made a beautiful shower curtain, so I'm I'm really happy about that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now, my mom used to pay us to cut um, templates out of cardboard for her.
1: Ah, nice, nice. So, yeah, it's good
2: stuff. She got,
1: she got her templates and you made some money, so yeah, we went. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh. <laughs> so, so can you tell us a little bit about um,
0: the process for you for one of your art quilts? I'm thinking about the one, and I actually don't know the name of the quilt, but um, it's the Art Deco kind of for the lack of a better words she looks kind of like the science fictional kind of lady mm-hmm. um, yeah i don't know if you, if you if you know the one that i'm referencing oh yeah I'm that's just, funny wonder, like, yeah um i wonder like for you um do you draw or paint and and did you did you kind of uh sketch that out before you started working what can, can you talk can you walk us through how you kind of built that quilt or or
1: Sure. Sure. You know, that was the one quilt that's that the one you're referring to is called fly me to the moon. And that one first place in Houston in 2015. And that was a tremendous honor for me. Um, I was not expecting that by any means. And what, how that started, that's the one quilt that you get where from beginning to end, you could see it in your mind's eye. You knew exactly how it was going go to go together, how you were going to construct it and how you were going to quilt it. And that's exactly what happened. So it was what that one, quilt you get where it was just flowing from beginning to end um that has not happened on the quilt after that but that's the one quilt that we get so i that started with a painting Uh, a friend of mine is an artist he's a spanish artist living in berlin and how would you like to have that title? I'm a Spanish artist living in Berlin and he's a wonderful, wonderful artist. And I, I had first seen his quilts or I'm sorry, his paintings and I they just scream quilts to me. And that's the picture that I saw. So that was the image. Um, and I took it and asked him if I could use the image. Of course, he gave me permission he was very honored. So I constructed that and um, subsequently after my uh, quilt had wanted Houston, I bought the painting, the original painting from him. So um, so it's kind of interesting to have the original painting plus the quilt. So, That's great. Oh, that's awesome. And so the inspiration for that came from that. that. And it just, you know, I created a, um, I'm big with freezer paper templates. So I put a taped fusible, fusible, uh, Freezer paper together, and I had a big uh, projector that, like one of those schoolroom projectors, mm-hmm. and I projected the image up onto the freezer paper and trace the image onto the freezer paper, and that becomes the templates. So the quilt is predominantly appliqué. Um, the The lady's costume is pieced in sections, but it's then she, as a whole, is appliqué onto the quilt. So it's predominantly appliqué. But I used, you know, LeMay and all these kind of odd fabrics and then covered it in crystals to represent the stars. Um, and, you know, that's it was just fun. It was a blast to put that quilt together. So yeah,
2: and I mean, you felt a yeah. bit like Mozart. Apparently he could hear his he could hear his symphonies before he wrote them down. And it was just simple.
1: Yeah, I didn't compare it. myself didn't to Mozart. Oh, <laughs> and that, like I said, that's that one <laughs> quote you get. They don't always happen that way. My newest yeah, quote is. is in my, it's in my I hate you right now pile. So yeah. <laughs> um, it no, it yeah, makes yeah, an appearance yeah. every once in a while. And it's been a little bit of a struggle, but that's what I love about it. Again, I love a challenge. I love, I I am not beaten easily. So <laughs> um, I, I keep working no, out, yeah. pushing away.
2: Well, and you have to go through the, I hate this stage. You have to. Anytime right. you're creating something new. Um, I mean, I found that to be true. Anytime I'm creating yep. something original of my own, I always hate it for a while.
1: You know, it's in those moments that we actually grow and that doesn't that's not a cliche. That's actually very true um, in those moments where we're struggling and we're fighting and it it doesn't feel good at the moment. When you finally break through, it it really helps your confidence and it boosts your confidence greatly. And, and it just it adds another tool to your toolbox. And uh, it's in those moments that we do grow.
2: Well, absolutely, and it's you never learn as much from your successes as you do from your failures.
1: Right, that's very and true.
2: And how you pushed
0: through. So, absolutely. Is isn't there a story about you um, accidentally cutting one of your quilts? Can you tell us about that? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Fly Me to the Moon has several of those in my quilt. Yeah, oh, um, okay. you know, people people think when, and I'll just say this about about quilting for competition. People think that that's like. Like a pinnacle. And and I don't think that's true. This is my opinion, but I think show quilting is just another style. I think if you as a quilter are making um, like dog quilts or picnic quilts or some utility type quilts, that's fabulous. As long as you're creating and you're working with color and you're piecing and you're quilting, awesome. Um, Show quilting is another way to quilt. Um, It doesn't mean, and I will never say that I would, I was better than anyone else because I did show quilts. Absolutely not. It's all about picking your medium and creating, just being creative. So yeah, there are, there are some boo-boos in my quilts. Um, I'm really good at hiding them. (laughs) Uh, You know, sometimes when you're, you're doing trapunto work and you're cutting away that that's uh, batting from behind and all of a sudden you slice through your quilts it's happened to all of us you just find ways to to fix it and for me i go back to my pelon product and i f- you know i i get the fibers as close as i can fuse it from the back and then just quilt the heck out of it right over that and you'll never yeah. see it if anything else i always say crystals and applique cover a multitude of sins so if anything will cover over it
2: absolutely um, so,
1: of we have our, to use? I use um, rhinestones mainly. I, I was using Swarovskis and they're really expensive. And now with the supply chain issues, it's hard to get a lot of these products. So I was using Swarovski and I found um, a company that is producing uh, like Czechoslovakian crystals. And I've been using those and I can hardly tell that dif- I, I can't tell the difference between those and the Swarovskis. Um, so I'm using a Czechoslovakian. Rhinestone or crystal, um, and they're fabulous. And I, I, you know, I we could talk about crystals a little bit. You know, you see them a lot on quilts. Um, When I was in Houston this last year, I've noticed a real reduction in the use of crystals. People are starting to kind of get away from that a little bit. And if they do, it's just here and there. I do not put crystals on all of my quilts. I, I let them sit on my design wall for a while, and I go. Does really need this? Does it really need a crystal or not? I'm not just going to obligatorily put them on there, just to make them sparkly. Some quilts don't need them. Some some do. Some would benefit for a little sparkle. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we had a absolutely. Um, I wanted to say about your cutting the quilt. We yeah. have an art teacher that i I know who says that a, there's no such thing as a mistake. There are just opportunities mm-hmm. for rapid design change.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely very, very true and perfect way to put that.
2: And then it's it takes the pain out because you're like, oh, well, um, hmm, OK.
1: <laughs> see, I just see them as, as just a little a little speed bump along the way. You know, I, I do see my quilts as a journey. I, I don't have a destination for them. Um, and even Fly Me to the Moon is a great example of that. It went to its first show and it was sitting in. Uh, In the show, and I just something about it wasn't right. I just went, oh, no, something's not right here. And I had used an inexpensive, not just a very inexpensive crystal on it because I didn't want I wanted the crystals to represent stars uh, in the in the sky, but I didn't want it to be so sparkly like Swarovski's that it just took away from the quilt. However, (laughs) um, it didn't have enough shine. It didn't look like stars sparkling. So there were over 2,000 crystals on that. I took each one off individually and replaced each one with the same size Swarovski. And that made a big difference. And then also there was a black binding around the whole quilt. And there was something not right about that. It just needed some sort of a framework. So I took some decorative gold thread and I hand couched it. In between the binding and the quilt itself, just to fill that little channel. And that's mm-hmm. it made all the difference. And then my quilt started winning. So it just, it just, you know, even when you think you're done, just kind of let it brew in your head a little bit first before you really consider it done, because it may not be.
2: Right. And sometimes you need to get some emotional distance before you can really assess what it needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Even when I'm quilting, when I sit down to quilt, I, I take a few days first, even though I may think that I know what I want to do. I just kind of look at things, let it brew. And that's when it's in those moments when something new will, will interject in your brain. And you're, oh, I never would have thought of that. Um, But it's because you took that rest period. It's like when it's like when you're working out, you know, when you work out, rest is just as important as doing the work in the gym. And it's 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 almost more important. So uh, it's kind of like quilting when you've put in the the work in your sewing room gym, you do have to step back and rest a little bit. And that's when you're that's when you grow. That's when things happen.
2: You mentioned so you are. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think you're about to ask the same question I was, Jeff. Go on. Uh, well, go ahead. Okay. Well, you've mentioned quilting, so you quilt your quilts yourself. What kind of machine I, do you use?
1: I yeah. do. I, I'm a brother educator, so I work uh, on oh. brother machines because I love them. <laughs> uh, it's my it's my cult of choice. I'm not a long armor. I, I admire them and I, I love I've got so many long arm friends and I just admire their work. But for me, I have tried it and that just doesn't speak to me. Um, and they've tried. Boy, they have tried to convince me. They're like, "Look, you, you know, when you draw, you move the pencil, not the paper." I get it, <laughs> but for me, it's just what works for me in my hands and my my physicality, my brain, to just sit down at a domestic machine and just quilt, pushing the pushing the fabric. That feels really good to me. Um, and I'm glad that I did some long arming experience for a while because it really showed me where my focus needs to be um for me i love to just sit down and push the fabric around so that's that's me um i do all of my quilting on a brother machine and i love it
2: that's sounds right. good yeah, yeah i've done a i've I'm, i've got a long arm now but i started with a a sit-down machine and i loved it i'm better at it that way i'm still learning because i okay. refuse to computerize yeah <laughs> huh. Yeah, yeah, and that's so, the thing.
1: I'm I'm glad for all of these things because that gives. Some people love to do computerizing. Some people love to do long arm. Some pe- people love to do domestic cool thing. I'm glad that all of these things are out there because it it, just, it allows just, people to find their find their resting place. Sure,
2: exactly. And there's room for all of us. It
0: is uh,
1: absolutely absolutely. You, yep, it's a big so sandbox.
0: <laughs> As you mentioned earlier, it's a. I agree. I I think that um I think it's great, and I like to see the range of people. Whether they're working on just, you know, basic squares or even panels and, you know, sewing a border on it, I I think it's all worthwhile
1: as long as you're having fun. I I agree. And I, I think we need to get rid of this word just. And by that, I mean... Um, I'm just making a dog quilt or, oh, I'm just making, you know, this quilt for, I'm just making a baby quilt. No, you're not just that's don't, don't insult your work. It's wonderful. You know, stop using the word just, you are a quilter. You are making a baby quilt <laughs> or you are making a show quilt. Um, we're so critical. We're so self-critical.
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, do you like it? Then it's great.
1: <laughs> right. If you're happy Is with this it, right? then, yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Is this right? I'm, yeah. So you you've mentioned in teaching opinion? in your students. What mm-hmm. what uh quilting classes do you teach?
1: I do several of them. I do a um, long star, long, Lone Star piecing class. Um, I have loved the Lone Star pattern since I started. Um, I've, I found it very, again, I started before rotary cutter. So my first one, uh, I was cutting out the 60 degree diamonds uh, onto a cereal box and the ending product. I had what you know we lovingly call the volcano in the middle when it all came together because it just didn't lay flat. And I avoided it for a long time. And I had a fight with myself in my brain. I'm like, come on, Jerry, you love a challenge. Let's figure this out. So I found a technique where we use um, strip piecing and then cut out these these strips of diamond shapes from there. And it just came out so brilliant. So that's when I ran with it. And I love the Lone Star. So I teach a Lone Star quilting class. I teach uh, quilting for show on your domestic machine. So if anybody wants to jump into the world of show quilting, I teach a class on that. I do um, quilting with unusual fabrics where they jump into my crazy world of all these weird fabrics. And I bring just bins and bins of all these different fabrics and let the students pick and choose what they want. Um, Because for me, when you're making a jump from, you're working with all cotton, now you're gonna work with a spandex or an upholstery fabric. That can be very jarring. So I want you to pick what you feel comfortable with um, instead of me just providing a kit where someone's just getting frustrated. I don't want anyone to be frustrated. Um, So they get to pick whatever fabrics they want. I like that. That's great. Well, it's a lot of fun because we all love digging through bins of fabric and all that, and it just kind of taps into that. (laughs) Yes, we do.
2: (laughs) Well, and it also takes the, the intimidation of having spent money on this weird fabric. If you've got, bits and pieces that people can play with, they're more likely to experiment because they're not losing money.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've all gone to classes with kits and we're just, you know, we're just hoping that it works out right. And that's with fabrics that we're comfortable with. And I took a step back and said, you know, people are going to be jumping into this world that they may not be comfortable with. So I, I let them rummage through the bins and pick all the colors and fabrics that they want. That's awesome i only ask is that they get outside of their box, choose a color that they wouldn't normally choose and make it work.
2: (laughs) Yes. So you mentioned that your one quilt, your Fly Me to the Moon being the one that the symphony that you saw on your head. Mm -hmm. Is that your favorite quilt or do you have another quilt that's your favorite Uh for another reason?
1: I don't know. It's, yeah. I get asked that a lot. It's like kids. You don't really, you shouldn't really have a favorite child, but um, they all have a special place. I will say that they all have a special place for different reasons. Um, like Fly Me to the Moon, That, like I said, that was that one quilt that just from beginning to end, it just went so easily for me and it flowed perfectly. And that's why I love it. Um, You know, other quilts I love more for the color or other quilts of mine I love for the challenge that are overcoming a challenge. So each one represents a different style for me and in a different kind of area in my life.
0: Well, and given what, what we've talked about and given all of your experience in making quilts since 1976, and I'm sure, as you mentioned, even before the rotary cutter and now. There's so many, you know, notions and rulers and techniques. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, what advice would you offer for a brand new quilt or someone who is just getting into uh, making quilts? Do you have any like, basic advice?
1: I, I would say now, I, I, of course, I'm speaking for myself and we all come at this from our own experiences, but I had the wonderful experience of being surrounded by people who never told me that you can't do something you sh- or you shouldn't. Um, I would say find people that let you experiment and play and, and, you know, just learn as much as you can about that. Um, learn a straight stitch, get it down, get it down, learn, you know, your quarter of an inch, get that down. Those are all you know, the basic tools in our toolbox. Um, you know, when you're when you're a woodworker, you don't start out with a sawzall, you don't start out with a table, you know, you work with hand saws and very simple tools to learn them, and then you can expand. And it's the same in quilting. Learn the basic tools of that we use, learn the basic sewing techniques, and then expand from there because then you'll have a better chance of being successful. If you try too much too soon, you may get frustrated and you may stop and we don't want that. Right. I
2: know the rules so you can break the rules.
1: Right, and I do. <laughs> I am a rule. I have been from day one. <laughs> yeah,
2: I I cannot follow a pattern exactly. Where I
1: get <laughs> yeah, same with me. From the beginning, I I have always been experimenting and playing around. Um, you know, my brain takes me in all these different directions. I'll start out with. A quilt in my head, and uh, by the time I'm done, I'm like, "Well, that didn't end up any the any way that I thought it was going to." (laughs) (laughs) But I like it better than what I originally had in my head. So usually,
2: oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Are there all the way that have inspired you? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We all have, you know, like I said, I was a musician before I was a quilter. So there, you know, we, we, I I would say we lovingly steal from everybody and put them in our, put them in our tool sheds, uh, toolboxes. So um, when I was a musician, I had a lot of favorites that I went to when I was a quilter. um, I think the first you know, I started sewing before I started quilting. So for me, Nancy Zeman was my hero, uh-huh. and I watched every show that she ever produced. And she was she really helped my my technique a lot. Um, and then Eleanor Burns, as a quilter, she was my first real big influence. I loved her. Um, I have a great relationship with Ricky Timms and Alex Anderson. They have been phenomenal representatives for our quilting community and real um real hard charges of getting quilting out there um and so i you know i was fortunate enough to be on their show as well and they are just awesome people so they've been really big influences on me um yeah there's been a lot there's been a lot joan wolfram her sense of color i mean if you're having trouble with color go to joan wolfram she just has tools and just inspiration that that you will you will not believe
0: <laughs> that's great i'm not that familiar with her I'm so
1: yeah, she's oh, wow. she's wonderful with color. If you're struggling with color, check out Joan.
2: So you mentioned you love your brother machine. Are there any other notions or rulers or things that you just cannot live without?
1: <laughs> Everyone asks me that. My favorite notion is my label maker. Remember, I I I defer <laughs> back to my CD comments. <laughs> my sewing room is very organized. Um, for me personally, uh yeah, creativity is stifled when there's disorganization and clutter. I just can't handle it. I know some quilters have, I'll walk into some of my friends' quilting rooms and it's just stuff everywhere. And that's what, that's awesome. I, you know. But for me, I get stifled with creativity. So everything is like a late, I had a friend walk in and she goes, you could do surgery in your sewing room. Where's your stuff? <laughs> I'm like, it's there. It's just all organized. I'm one of these people at the end of the day, I always put back what I take out because nothing frustrates me more than you know, like I said, my art brain works very fast, and if I have to stop and work some work, look for something that just kind of kills my creativity. So that's just—I understand I am not the norm.
2: Oh, okay. I'm just—I'll just say that I'm going to need three months' notice before you come to visit me.
1: Yeah,
2: and a professional organizer to help me yeah. get there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's you know, some you know, it's as long as you're creating. That's I always defer back to as long as you're creating, it doesn't matter what you sell on or what you, what, re, what your room looks like, as long as you are creating.
2: So well, my name is Messy Goat for a reason. But, I mean <laughs> things are organized for for me. I mean yeah. you know, I know where things are. But
1: exactly.
0: Well, and where and can goodness. people find you online to learn more about you and your quilts is the best place, Instagram?
1: Yeah, I'm on Instagram a lot. I like Instagram. Um, I'm on J- uh, Jerry Granada Quilts. Um, that's where I'm at on Instagram. You'll find me hanging out there, posting pictures of my my progress and my inspiration on the things I'm working on and things that I've lessons I've learned.
2: All i will right. be, definitely be stalking you there. I'm sure.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> Love to have you
0: great yeah we've been speaking with quilter jerry granada from palm springs california and jerry thanks for doing this interview oh this is so much fun thanks for having me thank you this was great thanks a lot sure thank you so much i appreciate it it. this was fun